Pride Institute is an LGBTQ-specific treatment center for substance use disorder and addiction. Pride was first opened in 1986 as a direct response to the HIV-AIDS pandemic. We provide care to adults 18-plus in residential and outpatient settings. I'm Luke. And I'm Kaylee. And together, we are the co-hosts of the Proud Voices podcast for Pride Institute. All right. Hello, everyone. Uh, We're here today with Ken. Ken, thanks for joining us this afternoon. We appreciate you being here. And I'll kind of just let you um, start off with giving us a little introduction about who you are, um, how long you've been sober, uh, when you graduated from Pride, and then you can kind of just jump in um, talking about why you found yourself at Pride's doors. Okay. Well, thank you for uh, asking me to be part of this. I'm very excited the fact that uh, during the days of COVID that we at least are able to reach out to people and and, um, that. Um, I'll start out by telling you that my name is Ken and I am an addict. And uh, I have also had uh, my bout over the years with uh, alcohol. And for many years, I was in and out of a program or no program. I would maintain sobriety and for a couple, two or three years and and then relapse. Uh, Although back then I never considered it a relapse. I just considered it that I wanted to have a drink. And um, so um, for the most part, uh, things went okay for me until... uh, in um, June of the year 2011. I don't know what I was thinking, but uh, I thought one night it might be a good idea for me to try meth. And at the ripe old age of 57, um, I managed to figure out how to get to it. I'd been kind of toying, playing on the internet and talking to people about, oh, what's it like? How do you do it? Uh, I wonder what I would like it or not. And I did that for a long, long time. And so looking back on that now, I I realized that I was uh, already off to the races. And so my story is uh, today primarily about meth because um, to be honest with you, uh, unlike a lot of of people who have struggled with meth with uh, several years, uh, of, of uh, it taking over their life, uh, it managed to do me in seven weeks. I was very fortunate. I had a very good job. I worked as an RN and I worked in a hospital in Minneapolis uh, in the Department of Psychiatry. And I uh, had a, a wonderful home and I was living by myself. I had a partner who passed away Uh, several years earlier from a brain tumor and so I kind of replaced him with a dog and I was a beautiful dog and I had everything I could possibly want and I was very uh, happy with that but then like I said I was looking at uh, you know meth to add a little bit of excitement to my life and Um, So I won't get into the the using details except to say that when I first tried it, and I'm sure anyone listening to this today will understand what I mean when I say that 
when I was first introduced to it in the middle of the night, I was already drunk. I was already deciding that it was okay for me to go down this road. And um, so I, um, I, 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 once I got it in me, I felt like, wow, I had arrived. This was the best thing that I had ever encountered in my 57 years of life. Well, I'm going to back up a second because of the fact I did mention that I was an RN. And I'd always looked at some of my patients and thought that, wow, if something like this ever happened to me, um, so most of them were like really bad diseases like Huntington's or Lou Gehrig's disease or something like that. I just, after taking care of patients who had such a, a horrible end to their life, I said to myself, well, if that ever happened to me, I'd, I'd off myself in six months. Hmm. And so, uh, you know, and as I was working in psychiatry, I did encounter many people who came in uh, addicted to methamphetamine. And uh, I, my heart went out to them, but I thought to myself, if I ever did that, um, I would want to be gone in six months. I would not want to go down that road. And so, you know, and I don't know, that night when it was introduced to me, it, just like everyone else, it probably was in my mind that I was only going to try it and I was only going to do it once and then I could put that on my bucket list. I hate that expression, but it seems <laughs> to be common. <laughs> so I put it on and thought to myself, um, if I ever do this, I will um, take my life in six months. So it was June 30th of 2011. And I ended up, um, like I said, I had arrived. I liked it. And um, so then I just kind of uh, thought that that was a one-time thing. And that was at 2.30 in the morning. And by 7.30 in the morning, I was driving. I was talking to a friend of mine who I knew was a dealer and told him, um, I said, I had a crossed the line last night and he said to me jokingly oh you had sex with a woman I said oh, no, not that <laughs> no 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 <laughs> so uh, I um, said oh I used meth last night and I remember him saying well, you're an addict then and I said oh no I don't think so and he said uh, what are you doing now and I said well I'm driving he said, where are you and I said I have no idea and I was like, wow. just driving the car and just be bopping away. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was so proud. I wanted to tell everybody, hey, last night I used meth. That's that's a pretty crazy thing to do. So you know? when you were in your car, you like had no idea you were high. You just thought it was a normal day and you were on the phone. And... Um, no, I knew I was high, mm -hmm. um, but it was it didn't matter. Right. That just didn't matter. Whereas even when I was drinking, I would not get into a car and drive. Mm -hmm. But this drug was a little different. It just took everything, common sense out, threw it out the window. Mm -hmm. And um, so I ended up for the next seven weeks. And I know to a lot of you listening, this may not be something that even matches your story, except I will say this, in seven weeks, it brought me down to my knees. Mm -hmm. I. Um, suddenly looked at my my home my beautiful home and I looked at it and I thought oh gosh the people who I had had over 
to party with, some of them probably were living under the bridge. What was really strange was I envied them because they didn't have the responsibility of mm -hmm. like, mowing the lawn and keeping up a house. And, 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 uh, and I even resented my dog because I knew the per type of person that I was, I still would have to get home and take care of that dog at night. Mm -hmm. And so um, the idea of being gone for, um, you know, 12 hours, 14 hours, two days, uh, simply was not an option for me. I do remember one night I did come home after, oh, being out all night. And when I got home and my dog was just, he, he was a great big German Shepherd Collie and he just looked at me and he was so excited to see me, but he knew something was wrong. Mm -hmm. And I still think that that was the beginning of me realizing that there were some really severe consequences ahead for me. That didn't stop me. I continued to uh, reach out to people that I knew I could uh, get uh, meth from and we could get together and party. And, you know, early on, um, it was kind of exciting. Although, you know, I found myself pretty much isolating and oftentimes afterwards, I was left all by myself mm -hmm. in my home, sitting on my leg or whatever, you know, it just, it was just like really crazy. And um, so I had a, a man that I was seeing at the time and he uh, came over because I was lying. I was lying to work. I was saying I had a cold, you know, it's the middle of August. Who gets a cold then? <laughs> um, and, and nobody questioned it. No one looked in and said, there's something going on here. And I, um, so that bought me a little more time to be able to use. And um, so I eventually, um, decided I needed to break up with this person because I did not want to hurt him. Uh, he was a normie. He was one who enjoyed wine and, uh, and, and things like that. But whenever we were together, he would drink wine, I'd drink wine, and then he would go home to his house and I would not stop. I would just continue. Mm -hmm. So um, I, I called him over on a Sunday and I, I said, I want you to go and get your slippers from downstairs in the closet and put them in your car and get in your car and drive away and, and never come back. Wow. And he looked at me and he just said, why? And I says, well, I, I have a problem with uh, uh, alcohol and uh, chemical dependency. And he said, well, I think that's my fault because I brought the wine over and I said, you know, and at first I was going to be okay with him believing that, mm -hmm. but I'm not that type of person. Mm -hmm. And yet Meth was saying, you know, uh, I could be that type of person. And so I said to him, um, no, I, I just want you to leave. <clears throat> and he said, what's wrong? And I told him, I said, well, I said, I, I've been into meth. And he said, I don't know much about that drug except for the fact that it's a very dangerous drug. Mm -hmm. And um, he was a chemist, PhD, and worked for a big firm here in the Twin Cities uh, as a research chemical chemist. And, you know, he said to me, and I'm like crying, and I'm like so distraught. And I said, 
uh, he, he said to me, but it's a really easy compound to make. Oh, and mm. right then I brightened up. Said, this is it. Yeah. You can make the meth. I can smoke it. This breaking is bad all over. Yeah. 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 Game breaking bad. <clears throat> breaking yeah. bad all over. Yes. And um, <clears throat> so um, he, he reached behind me and touched my back. He's not a real touchy person. And he reached behind me and he said, we'll get through this. And um, so, you know, that was a Sunday. The mm -hmm. next day, I'm trying to reach out to Pride, but I can't even dial a phone because my I'm so shaky and I'm so crazy. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, you know, I was sad and crying and depressed and too sick to go see somebody who could help me. I mean, that was my thinking. And I ended up... Um, a couple of days later, you know, we, we went to uh, intake out at Pride for um, my addiction. And because I had a job and because I had a house and because I had people in my life that could be supportive, we decided to try outpatient. And so I was okay with that. And in early September of 2011, I began uh, outpatient at uh, Pride. And, you know, when I was there, I realized that uh, all the years that I had been out as a gay man, um, I had very few gay friends. Most of them um, I did not like. And, uh, in fact, I told my small group, um, they were not kind to me. They, they, uh, they, they, they bit me so hard sometimes. <laughs> and it's kind of like, well, maybe you're the problem. Yeah. That you don't have gay friends. And I said, well, I only had one use for them. And um, and, and then, you know, that, that was like, you know, you really need to look inside and, and see where you really are at with your sexuality, too. And so um, I, you know, attended the groups, I never missed a day. And one day I was talking um, with my counselor and um, she asked me if I'd ever thought of, of uh, harming myself. And I said, well, yes. I said, in fact, on June 30th, when I first used, I decided that on New Year's Eve of 2011, I would take my life. I had a plan and everything like that. And that was with my counselor, and she said, would you mind um, holding off for just a minute? I'd, I'd like to get somebody else in here. <clears throat> and the director came in, and uh, she'd already been briefed, and she said to me, Ken, would you be willing to see a psychiatrist? And I said, yes. And then she said, and would you see a psychologist? <laughs> I thought, I must really be nuts. Oh. <laughs> Bring him on. Uh -huh. <laughs> and I, um, this is where I really, really uh, had so much uh, respect for the program because when, I, uh, when they came in, I agreed to m meet with both of them. And so we set up an appointment for the psychologist the next day. And I did some paperwork and everything like that. And, and when um, we met, um, she said, I, I understand you have a plan to take your life. And, and I said, yes. And she said, why is that? And I said, well, because um, I had said if I ever used meth, I didn't mm -hmm. want to go down that road. 
and she uh, talked with me for a minute, and she said, you're kind of a magical thinker. And I said, what? And she said, well, you kind of think, like, if this happens, then I'll do this. If that happens, then I'll do that. Very logical based. Very, yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. And she said, I, I, what if I was to sit here and ask you right now, what would you think if I was to tell you that not everyone who uses meth goes down that road? That there are some people, mm -hmm. I'm not trying to talk you into using it ever again. I hope that you don't, but not everyone goes down that road to where they lose their teeth and they lose their job and they lose their, their money mm -hmm. and they lose their security. Not everyone. And she said, what would that do to your thinking? And I said, because I talked about a clock that I had ticking for taking my life. And she uh, said, what would that do to your thinking? And I said, well, I guess I'd have to um, stop the clock. And she said, well, I would, I would, I'm really glad to hear you say that. She said, is it possible for you just to break the clock and throw it away? And I said, well, given what you told me, I guess I have to. Mm -hmm. And uh, from then on, uh, I took the suggestions of her and, and um, the psychiatrist, and I... Um, Took the medication, you know, for uh, as, as prescribed for a short time because they felt that I had some depression going on, and which I agreed. So that um, was 2011, and I uh, graduated from the outpatient program on November 18th of 2011, and then uh, I got involved with the meetings and sponsors and sponsees and. And that's my life today. I did have one relapse, and that was almost a year later in 2012. And when I uh, did that for, and I, I wasn't thinking of doing it. I was proud that I wasn't, but I don't know what happened. But one night I had a bubble in my hand and was smoking. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like, what's up with this? Mm -hmm. I mean, I know where this goes. And... Uh, so I called my sponsor right away and, you know, he came over and it was a weekend later that um, I was questioning whether or not I should tell my partner at the time, John, the same one who said we'll get through this. And I didn't want to. And my um, <clears throat> sponsor said, well, I, and we were remodeling the house. I got to say that we were remodeling the house and I could look, they, they, they had come and taken the bathroom out and they've taken the kitchen out and I could look in one part of my house and look right through the whole thing. And I really did not want to say, hey, I relapsed because I was afraid that it would be, hey, we're done. I can't do this. Mm -hmm. And I would totally get that. So I, he came up the, to the deck and I was with my sponsor and I looked at him and I said, uh, honey, I said, I had a relapse last weekend. And, you know, for a guy who's a normie, who has no real skills in this area, he just said, well, we always knew that that was a possibility. Wow. And if that doesn't take the wind out of a, a sail of an addict, I don't know what will. Because mm -hmm. I really thought if he says, well, okay, one more chance and we're done, right, then I would have been out to, out to the races and three hours later I would have been saying what kind of a person are you 
to leave me in, you know, while I'm down, you know. Right. So, because that's what an addict needs to do. You know, they've got to have, they've got to have somebody that they can blame. They've got to have a, a reason to continue. And um, so, you know, being honest, I did not go back to treatment. I did not need to do that. I just needed to get back up on the horse and continue riding. And so that uh, was in uh, my, my sober date now is uh, 5th of August of 2012. It's incredible. Yeah. So since that time, I've been uh, engaged in um, doing some public speaking. I have also um, been very involved in the program. Um, go to meetings um, in person and on Zoom. I, I like the in-person ones better. Mm-hmm. But uh, so pretty much that is uh, my story right now. So if you have any questions or anything, I'd be glad to answer. Yeah, I mean, I think you just speak so well. And I know um, for our listeners, we have a weekly alumni uh, group where we have an alumni speaker come in. Right now they're all doing it through uh, Zoom. but. Uh, our clients who have listened to you speak at a residential site just loved you. Um, and so now I know why. This is the first time I'm hearing your story. And so uh, just thank you so much for being here. You just speak so well and so eloquently. Thank you very much. It's very kind of you. We appreciate your time, Ken. Thanks for joining us today. And yeah, thanks for being willing to share your story. As always, uh, you're incredible. So we appreciate it. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Proud Voices. You can find us where you find all your favorite podcasts. Don't forget to follow and subscribe. We'll see you next time.